Amen. What a wonderful God we have now as we get ready to let our day be filled with this God, the revelation of who this God is. We're going to read our Old Testament passage. And as we do, which happens to be another one of my favorite Old Testament passages, this theophany of God coming down to his people. As we read this, let's understand that the things we read, the accounts we read in the Old Testament are some of the he's and the you's that we can fill our praise with. We can fill our praise with, he came down on the mountain to meet his people. Lord, you are a God who dwells in smoke and in fire and so on and so on. So some of these things, as you read the Bible, understand you are increasing your praise vocabulary. This is giving you your he's and your you's. And until your whole world is filled with, oh, this God, his way is perfect. Amen. And what, what did we say? The more your praise is filled with you, the more your life is filled with, I can. I can leap over a wall. <laughs> I can do anything, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. I will have that assurance bubbling up in me when I fill myself with some of these very stories. So we're going to read for our Old Testament reading from Exodus chapter 19. And yes, this is a story of God coming to meet his people. <laughs> I know God has literally walked into some of your bedrooms, some of your, your children's bedrooms as you have prayed for your children. God does do this. He does come to meet his people. Well, let's see what it's all about. Chapter 19, starting in verse 1. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day, so the Bible is actually very time-specific. When people want to lay out, when did this happen? When did that happen? All the writers of the Bible are like this, very time-specific. On that day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain. You, if you see that the Lord called to Moses, you don't have to say, well, that's Moses. The Lord can also call to you. And sometimes he calls to you through his word. He might call to you through the preaching of his word. He might call to you in your devotions. He definitely calls to people, not always an audible voice. Sometimes it's a still small voice inside of us. But yes, God calls to people today. Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. So these people have seen the manifest power of God on their behalf, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. What is God's ultimate desire? As 
that we would be with him, that we could be together. Do you think as you go through your life that God is an angry God and that he's mad at you all the time, ready to throw a lightning bolt? No, his love and his desire for you is so intense that this is his ultimate goal. He brought, he bore them on eagle's wings and brought them to himself. Yes, they're headed to their destiny. They're going places. They're going to take the promised land. But as far as God sees it, he's bringing them to himself, a people set apart for him. It's ultimately what God wants from you as well. Yes, he'll bring you into promises and blessings. But he wants you. He wants your, the pleasure of your company. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation purpose. He's bringing them out to bring them in, to bring them to himself. There's a purpose. There's a purpose for the call of God in your life. When God wants you to be a mom or a dad, when God wants you to work in this company or be a pastor or work in, in that area or that area, there's a purpose. He wants you also to shine the light to let people see, oh, so that's what God is like. It's what people were to see through the people of God. It is absolutely still the case. We are a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, shining forth his light, shining forth this, the good news of our wonderful, wonderful God. These are the words you shall speak to the people of Israel. So, Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. That's a good leader. That's a good pastor. That's a good connect leader. This is a good leader. What does a good leader do? Set before the people the word of God. Here it is. Let me lay it. Let me unfold it for you. This is the word of God. All the people, verse 8, answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And you see, every time you lay out the word of God, there should be a response. The people need to respond. When pastor preaches a sermon on Sunday, we need to respond by taking it to heart and living that word the rest of our lives. We should not forget it. There always has to be, we need to respond to the word of God. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. So this is the theophany. Wow, the appearance of God on the mount, Mount Sinai. That I am coming to you in a thick cloud. That the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. Does God do that? Well, I don't know that God's going to come and visit your connect group in a thick cloud. But God is going to make it so clear. You see, sometimes, for example, if you're a lady 
and you're teaching a Bible study. You might be a little concerned that there are some men in the group that don't want to listen to you just simply because you're a lady. You can believe that God will validate your words. God will lift you up. God will make it so that the people will believe what you have to say. Maybe you're a young person and you're holding a Bible study in your neighborhood and there are people there who are older than you. God will make those older than you people listen to you. He does that. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. See, we don't just go rushing headlong into the presence of God. Oh, oh my goodness, all this stuff from all the day. Here I am, God. And there we are in the manifest presence of God. That wouldn't really work. That's actually why there's a process when we come to church. We come to church there are prayer times, and then there's our praise and worship. It's all preparing our hearts for the word of God, and we get into his presence as we go through the service. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Now that is pretty awesome, a manifestation of God that all the people would see. Sometimes in church, there will be a person here having a vision of Jesus or a person there who's seeing smoke and fire or whatever, seeing the glory of God. But in this case, all the people were going to see this. And again, that's why I say you don't just rush headlong into a situation like that. There's preparation for coming in to the presence of God. And again, why we come to church early, spend some time in prayer. Amen. You shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. In the instructions to the people of Israel, they had different things that they did sometimes when the trumpet played a short blast, sometimes a long blast, sometimes two short blasts. There were different signals. And of course, these trumpets would be mostly ram's horns that they would be blowing. And when you go to Israel with us, you try to blow one of those ram's horns. <laughs> it might not just be that easy to sound a long blast, but in this case, it needed to sound a long blast. And we have in the, in the New Testament in Corinthians where Paul says, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready? And what will you know to get ready for? Maybe the trumpeter is kind of all mixed up with his sounds, with his his blasts, and he, he intends to uh, bring the people to a festival unto the Lord, and they, he did the wrong blast. So they all came running to the festival with their swords and spears, and they're ready to go to war. Yes, it needs to be clear the sound of the musicians needs to be clear. In this case, a long trumpet blast. 
they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. By the way, how old was Moses by this time? Remember, he started his leadership of these people at 80 years old. <laughs> he is no spring chicken and he has gone up the mountain and now he has gone down the mountain to talk to the people. Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Again, what a good leader. Are you a leader? Do you have a Bible study? You're to bring the people to meet God. Are you a worship leader? You are to bring the people to meet God. This is what Moses did. He brought the people out to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because, why is it wrapped in smoke? Because the Lord had descended on it in fire. Fire and a smoky cloud. We know that these are the manifestations that God is here. God is in this place. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. You know, when I read this, I am kind of thinking that this trumpet was not being blown by anybody standing amongst the Israelites, that this trumpet was being blown from heaven. Are there things like that that we see in scripture? Yes, because we know that in the last day, when the Lord is going to come again, the rapture, there will be the sound of a trumpet blast and up we go in the rapture. So we know that there is such a thing as people on earth hearing a trumpet from heaven. This does happen, but it's just that this trumpet from the mountain was so loud that the place trembled, the mountain trembled, and then it grew louder and louder, this long sustained trumpet. I think it's one of those heavenly trumpets that's sounding. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called to Moses from the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down. <laughs> Oh, how old was Moses? He had already gone up and then he went down to talk to the people. And now the Lord called him and he went up to the top of the mountain. And what did God say to him? First thing, Moses, go down. Okay, <laughs> go down and warn the people lest they break through to the Lord to look and many of them perish. Curiosity, right? Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, 
The people cannot come up Mount Sinai. For you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. <laughs> I don't know if Moses was saying, Lord, I just went up and then I went down and then I went up again. And now you want me to go down again. Lord, they're not coming up. And God said, um, Moses, go down. <laughs> you know, when God tells us to do something, we should just say, Absolutely, Lord. Yes, I will. <laughs> Even if it doesn't seem like something that we're anxious to do. Go down again. I just came up, up a mountain, right? At his age, all this mountain climbing. Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. Oh, Lord, go down, come up. But if that's what you say, do not let the priests and the people break through to come to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. And God spoke, chapter 20, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. There's a he. Oh, he's the God who brings us out of sin and out of slavery into freedom. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is one of those verses, and there are many, but it's one of them. I mean, this is the commandment of God. It's why I don't want to hear Christians say, oh my God, why will you say that? You will not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Don't say that. Don't say, oh my God. Don't say that. God says, you don't mess around with the name of God. Don't take it lightly, in vain, like as though it's nothing, as though it means nothing, as though it's just a word. Say something else. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my word. Say anything else, but don't say, oh, my God. Okay? If you're a Christian, don't take his name in vain. Don't take his name in vain anyway, no matter if you're Christian or not. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. You know, God's serious about this. We need this. God lays out his word for our benefit, for our good. So we should work six days and rest. We need a day of rest. We need to recuperate our strength and our, our, our whole being needs to be rested so that we'll have the energy to go at it again. For in six days, the Lord made 
heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So you need one day a week that is just set aside for the Lord, just for him. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. How foundational are these commandments that they were given so many thousands of years ago, and yet they are foundational for our society and for our lives today. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. <laughs> anything. Now, when all the people saw the thunder, and the flashes of lightning, and the sound of that trumpet, and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. So first the mountain was trembling. Now the people are trembling too. And they stood far off and said to Moses, uh, you speak to us and we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. See, it's good for us to get into the presence of God. It's good for us to stand in awe in the presence of God. We will not be quick to sin after such a revelation. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the people of Israel, You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourselves gods of gold. Oh, look at this verse. An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. An altar of earth. This is what God wanted. Now, let me ask you, what was man made out of? What was man made out of when God made Adam? What did he make man out of? The earth. God wants an altar of us. He wants our hearts to be an altar. And we must always remember that. This is an Old Testament commandment to Moses way back when. And yet there is that concept, an altar of earth, not just an altar of something that is built out of uh, wood or an altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. So that's his temple, his church, in us, his holy people. I will come to you and bless you. So has God placed his name upon you? Are you known by the name of the Lord? Are you a Christian if God has placed his name, if he has caused his name to be remembered in you, then there he will come to you and bless you. See, you can live this word. Amen.
If you make for me an altar of stone, you shall not build it out of hewn stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you profane it, and you shall not go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness be not exposed on it. That is the end of our Old Testament reading for today. What amazing truths we are learning about this God, this God who comes to his people, this God who gave a very not so young Moses the strength to go up the mountain and down the mountain, this God who gives us his word and gives us an understanding of himself, of who he is, this God who has laid out foundations for our lives. And if we will just live these foundations, we'll be doing pretty good. We'll have a happy and blessed life. This God who wants to come to us and bless us. Amen. Let's worship the Lord one more time this morning.
let's go to our New Testament reading for today, which happens to be from Matthew chapter 24, and we'll be going from verse 32 of Matthew 24. We'll be going all the way till chapter 25, verse 13. And it starts off, chapter 24, verse 32, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. What a great way to start off our New Testament reading. As we go through life, you know how many people just go through life and their eyes as though their eyes are, are shut because they're just going through life blindly. They're not learning lessons. <laughs> they're just going from lunch to supper to sleeping to breakfast. They're going through life. Go to work. Go home. When we go through life, learn some lessons along the way, and you will be a much wiser person. Amen. Keep your eyes open to learn. Learn from nature. God made this. Learn from the things you see around you, the situations. Learn, of course, from the Word of God. So it says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This is what Jesus said. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words. So, worldly wisdom, Bible wisdom. What are you going to go with? <laughs> world, The world and all of its so-called wisdom is going to pass away. All these people telling you all these supposedly glorious things. It's going to pass away. But the word of God endures forever. His word will never pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So we get how practical the Lord is here. How he's saying people will be going about their life thinking, yep, this is it. Nothing is ever going to change. <laughs> They're not learning the lessons. They're not looking, opening their eyes and seeing. If you have eyes, open them and see. See what needs to be learned. They were unaware. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. You see how individual salvation is? You cannot be saved by anybody else's salvation. You have to call upon the name of the Lord your God and make him your God and live for him as your God. Amen. This is showing you how individual salvation is. 
Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The good news, the Son of Man is coming. Jesus is coming again. He is coming to take us to himself that we may ever live with him. And what is the expectation? That we would live in a state of readiness, not living in a way that we're abusing our authority, where we are taking advantage of other people, where we are cursing people. We're not living in any other way except in a way that is pleasing to the Lord who is about to come and take us. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Is that you? Whom his master has set over his household to give them food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Chapter 25 continues the same lesson. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy, all, the wise and the foolish. But at midnight there was a cry, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. Those who were ready. This is so practical. So practical. God's word is so practical. This is laying out for us. Hey, learn a lesson. Live ready. And when the Lord Jesus comes, when we live ready, we go in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Do you have friends who say, Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know I need to serve God. I know, but I will. <laughs> I will when. I will if. I will if a certain thing happens. Don't, don't live with if. When? Just accept Jesus as your Savior now and live ready. 
do everything his word tells us to do. If you're not water baptized, be water baptized. If you're not reading his word, read his word. Why? Because you need to look and learn the lessons. It started off from the fig tree. Learn its lesson. In life, learn the lessons that we're supposed to learn. And it will go well with us. Amen. Let's live ready. This is not a fear thing. This is just a practical thing. Let's live ready. Let's just walk with the Lord. You know, it's like when you have nothing to be ashamed of, you can live a life of transparency and you don't care what people will see. Well, live that life of transparency. Live that life that's at all times ready. Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to take me. Lord, I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm ready for you to come now and receive me unto yourself. Amen. That's the lesson we learn from our New Testament passage. And with the few moments we have remaining, let's go to Proverbs chapter 7 and just read a few words from the Proverbs. My son, keep my words. What are we supposed to do with his words? Keep his words. Now remember, remember that word keep, okay? Because it's going to come up again in this short passage. And treasure up my commandments with you. So keep my words, treasure my commandments. It's kind of saying the same thing. Now in verse 2, keep my commandments and live. <laughs> choose life, brothers and sisters, choose life. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Don't turn away from the word of God. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. So, in other words, as this is your treasure. It's what your eyes delight in. Keep my words. Keep my commandments. Keep my teaching. Over and over, he's saying the same thing. So what are we supposed to do with the word of God? We're to keep it and treasure it. Now, verse 3, bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet, not just on a Samsung tablet, uh, whatever kind of tablets you have that you can write on, not just on any kind of a tablet. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Yes, so when other people tell you, I have this kind of a tablet, you know, on my computer, I can write, you say, I have a tablet too. It is incredibly complex, but I write on it every day. <laughs> write on the tablet of your heart. Write the words of God. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call insight your intimate friend. So what do we have? We are to keep the words of God, treasuring the words of God, binding them to us, writing them on our hearts. And what's going to happen? Verse 5, to keep you from the forbidden woman and from the adulteress with her smooth words. If you keep the word of God in your heart, that word of God will keep you. So you keep it, it will keep you. It will keep you from sin. It will keep you from heartache and disaster ahead in your life. So keep the word of God. Amen. Amen. You know what? It has been a great 
privilege and a great pleasure to be with you today for morning devotions. I don't get to do it very often, but when I do, I sure enjoy it that we got to do this. Amen. What beautiful lessons we have learned today about this God whose ways are perfect. Amen. Can I invite you to be with us again tonight at 7 p.m. for our COP online evening service. God bless you.